This is a Saddleback Church podcast. In May 2023, United States Surgeon General Vivek Murthy released an advisory letter to the public. In this letter, he says, When I first took office as Surgeon General in 2014, I didn't view loneliness as a public health concern. But that was before I embarked on a cross-country listening tour where I heard stories from my fellow Americans that surprised me. People began to tell me they felt isolated, invisible, and insignificant. They would tell me, I have to shoulder all of life's burdens by myself, or if I disappear tomorrow, no one will even notice. Dr. Murthy continues, In the scientific literature, I found confirmation of what I was hearing. In recent years, about one in two adults in America reported experiencing loneliness. And that was before the COVID-19 pandemic cut off so many of us from friends, loved ones, and support systems, exacerbating loneliness and isolation. My name is Jason Wheeland. I'm a pastor at Saddleback Church, and I want to welcome you to Rediscovering the Lost Art of Friendship. This five-episode podcast series is looking to address and respond to the issue that Dr. Murthy so eloquently wrote about and that so many people are feeling the effects of today. We have forgotten the value of friendship and how to build friendships that last. Many of us find that the relationships we have are more acquaintances than friendships or that the friendships we have are shallow, easy to fall apart, when disagreements or differences emerge. So what does it mean then to rediscover the lost art of friendship? Well, thankfully, we have a God who not only immensely values relationships, but shows us in the Bible how we can answer this question. This podcast series will look at five biblically-based actions that lead to growing healthy friendships each with its own subtitle. First, initiate. Follow Jesus' approach. Second, invest. Build a strong foundation. Third, enrich. Experience God's beautiful and diverse family. Fourth, strengthen. Cultivate openness and honesty. And fifth, discern. Select the right friends. Each episode will feature a conversation with a different ministry leader around that topic, including Saddleback Church teaching pastor Stacy Wood, Saddleback Church men's pastor Anthony Miller, Transformation Church lead pastor Derwin Gray, professor and clinical psychologist Dr. Todd Hall, and Saddleback Church celebrate recovery pastor Megan Greider. This first episode today is on initiate. Follow Jesus's approach. How do we see Jesus reach out to people? What does it mean to take the first step? To choose opportunity or potential over fear? Is it better to cast a wide net with friendships or be more focused and intentional on who you try to initiate friendship with? These are all questions that I talk about with my guest today, Stacy Wood. Stacy is a teaching pastor at Saddleback Church, and in this conversation, 
we will set the stage for what it means to rediscover the lost art of friendship. Stacy, thanks for joining the conversation today. Really appreciate Absolutely. it. Absolutely. Thanks for inviting me. So let's start by talking about just friendship in general. Why is it important to have friends? And why should I not assume I can just go through life all alone? Yeah, that's a really great question to lead off with. And I think there's, you know, you could take it a couple different ways. Um, I think theologically, there's a basis for this that yeah. that when even before God created the world, that he was living in perfect unity and with the Trinity, there's this relational dynamic between them where there, there's perfect fellowship um, between the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. So even, even in those relationships, we see friendship, that there's one God, but there, there's three persons in the Trinity that live in perfect harmony and fellowship with one another. And then the, that we're created in that image. You know, in Genesis 1, it talks about, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness. And so, therefore, we have this relational component of us that's made in the image of God. So theologically, we are created for that desire of relationship and friendship and if, if you keep reading the Genesis story, um, when when God is creating mankind and he makes Adam and he says, it's not good for man to be alone. Yeah. And I'm going to create a helper that's suitable for him. And, and not only is that in reference to a husband and a wife in marriage, but just in the, the meta theme of we are relational people and it's not good for us to live life alone, whether that's um, having a marriage relationship or even just um, deep friendships that you form with other people that that we are made to be in relationship with one another. And you can see this all throughout scripture. You know, there there's passages like in Ecclesiastes where it talks about two people are better off than one and, and that, you know, a cord of three strands is not easily broken. And so I think interwoven throughout scripture is this concept of friendship. The Proverbs speak so much into relationships and friendships and types of friendships. And, um, and so I think theologically there's, there's a strong case for why we should have these relationships. Maybe not, that might not even be the most compelling case. Like that might not be the thing that is like, Oh yeah, I hear that. (laughs) Like theologically God created me for friendship. So therefore I will go and make (laughs) friends that might not be compelling, but I think there is, it's good to start off the conversation. It's always good to start with the theological basis. Well, the Bible says, yeah, I can start with there. And it's, (laughs) it, it kind of gives, um, reason for why, we feel like something's wrong mm. when we don't have those kinds of relationships in our life. Like, uh, why why can't I just kind of be independent? And I I'm a pretty independent person, or I like my autonomy. And but but even people that do lean more that direction, we, we have a sense that something is missing. There's a there's a loneliness factor mm-hmm. that we can all experience because. God didn't create us that way. And so I think it's just good. It might not be the most compelling reason to go make friends, but it is good to have that foundational awareness that that in the core of our DNA, we were created as relational beings and you weren't created to to live life alone. But in addition to that, I think that um, when it comes to like our our formation as people, like our, our development, our character development, our spiritual formation, that relationships, friendships play such a 
important component into becoming the person that we were intended to become. Oh yeah. And I, I was thinking about how um, one time when my boys were younger, probably like maybe elementary school or so, Andy took them camping mm -hmm. for a couple nights. And um, I woke up that morning that they were gone and I had such a glorious morning and I was um, just moving about my daily routine. Yeah. And You're like, you know, it's Stacy time. <laughs> it was like, I had time with Jesus. I made my breakfast. I worked out and like, it was like all the way to noon. Mm -hmm. And, and this thought crossed my mind. I don't think I've sinned at all today. <laughs> and <laughs> and I, it was such a funny thing because normally by noon, sure. you know, attitudes Stuff's are flaring. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I've said things I regret. <laughs> and and the, the thought dawned on me, it's because I haven't had to interact with people yeah. that, that I feel oh, so funny. holy. And, um, <laughs> but there's something about being in close relationship with other people that it brings to the surface things that are actually in our hearts. And so when we are living very independently and we're not having to, to be in close relationship with other people, sometimes we can deceive ourselves mm -hmm. into thinking that we're much more like Jesus than we actually <laughs> are. So that roommate mm. of yours that drives you crazy or that coworker of yours that you have to relate to on a daily basis that really just brings out the worst in you, it's actually... God's gift of bringing out the stuff that's under the surface in our hearts so that he can form us into yeah. the image that he wants us to become. Yeah. So it's like how sometimes we, you know, we have this picture that the ideal life as a, a, a follower of God is to live in the monastery or to live in the, you know, like right. in, in, in you read those accounts of that monastic living. Right. And, Yes, maybe they don't find themselves often with other people, so the opportunity, or you know, so it doesn't bring stuff up to the surface. But at the same time, it doesn't bring stuff up to the surface for mm -hmm. you to refine. Right, you don't have that refinery type process mm -hmm. that goes on so much when you're having to deal with other broken people. Right, right? that yeah. all those sparks that typically fly when a broken person and a broken person are spending time together. Right, um, but. But it's often through that that we grow, that we're refined, that our character qualities, you know, get pointed out to us for us to work on. We have the opportunity mm -hmm. to grow in Christ likeness, right? Um, that we don't get when we're just by ourselves, exactly. And we don't have to deal with how do we think <laughs> or respond to others. <laughs> yeah, totally. It's that Bible verse that says, "Iron sharpens iron." Yeah. Well. You think about that. There's going to be a lot of friction. Yeah. And like you said, a lot of sparks that fly mm -hmm. whenever iron is sharpening iron, but it's, it's the way that God designed it to be. And so like theologically you have that foundation and then there's that just the formation component of relationships. But then I think like maybe a little bit more lighthearted and <laughs> maybe a little bit more inspiring is just the reality that relationships are where there's the richness of life. Mm -hmm. And that's where there's joy and intimacy and um, love that we are all longing for belonging, feeling like we're being seen and known in this world. And um, you know, like if I experience something cool and whether it's maybe a, an adventure or a sunset or a good meal. And if I experience it alone, the thing I'm always thinking of is who I wish I could have experienced mm. that moment with. Yeah. Um, 
because there's this part of us that's like we want to share mm-hmm. the richness of life with people that we love. And, you know, we all enjoy these moments that perhaps you've shared. I know I, I've had I've had these moments in my life where maybe I'm gathered around a, around a fire pit or around a table or a living room and, and we're laughing and we're sharing a meal together and we're sharing stories and and there's maybe playing games and, and there's just like so much joy mm-hmm. in that moment and and you're creating memories that but those kind of moments they don't happen without intentionality around them and and we could all say man I, I want that in my life because that's where we know that like there there's richness and and depth of friendship but it, it takes a level of intentionality mm-hmm. to get there and you know I just think about people that have a crisis that happens and how you know, sometimes you see people that have a crisis that happen and they have such a strong support system around them. Yeah. And then there are others that have a crisis that they walk through and they, they walk through it virtually alone because you can't wait until you're in that moment of crisis when you really do need the friendships to finally have friends. Like you yeah. have to invest in those friendships around the fire pit so that they'll be there in that moment of crisis as well. And so there's just... The, like, so I kind of, I guess I broke it down into three things, like the theolo- theological basis for why we have friendships. Yeah. And then there's the, the formation component of like how God designed us to need that to become the people that he designed us to be. But then thirdly, and maybe m- most compelling is just this deep inward desire that we all have to share things with people that we love and the reality that it, it takes intentionality to have that. Mm. So the... The subtitle part for for this week is follow Jesus's approach. Mm. So let's look at Jesus and how he uh, made and maintained friendships. What can we learn from how Jesus made and kept friends? That's great. Yeah. I love the gospels because they give us, they give us a pretty good snapshot on how Jesus related to people in his life and, um, a lot of principles that we can build from, um, I think very clearly he lived life with people. Mm-hmm. Like he, um, I, I don't diminish the work that the, like what you were talking about with the monks, the monasteries, sure. the monastic lifestyle. So many of our spiritual fathers have, um, co- have chosen that lifestyle mm-hmm. and God has used them greatly. But if you look at the life of Jesus, his was not that form of a desert father. Like he lived among people. Mm. And one one thing that's interesting is how he invited people in. Mm. Um, like there are phrases that he would use like come and see yeah. or come and follow. And so it was very invitational that he would, he didn't just expect people to come around and follow him or to want to be his friend. So many times, like I'm thinking about this one conversation that I had recently with a teenager and they were like, I I was asking them, did you share about, you know, what you did on spring break? Mm -hmm. And the reply was, um, if somebody wants to know what I did on spring break, they can come and ask me. And (laughs) (laughs) it's just such a funny response because it's like, well, maybe, but that's, that's asking a lot of, of someone relationally, like, like normally you, you extend an invitation, yeah. right? And that's how people know like that you're, you're wanting them to spend time with you. And so G- we see that in Jesus said like, come and see, come and follow. And then 
Also, one thing I think is significant about the way Jesus interacted with others is that he brought his whole self to every relationship. For me, sometimes I feel like I need to hold back a little bit on different components of who I am and maybe not be, maybe just share this one side of myself with this relationship or or present this way in this environment. But but Jesus, he brought his whole self. And so he didn't he didn't feel the need to make everyone feel comfortable mm-hmm. with who he was. Um, and like sometimes, for example, if I am in a context where I know someone is going to maybe disagree with me mm-hmm. about a certain point of view, then perhaps I'll just avoid that point of view altogether yeah. <laughs> in conversation. And Jesus is teaching. He was able to get right to the heart of issues with people in a way that perhaps did feel rather uncomfortable and at the same time, he knew how to do it with grace and with love and compassion for people. And so he he brought his whole self and was honest about who he was and who what he was coming, the principles he was living by, the the things he had come to teach. Um, and he didn't hold back. Yeah. And, and sometimes I feel like we do that in friendships: is that we just we just expose the safe part of our personality or the safe part of our opinions or perspective. Um, I mean, Jesus was authentic and honest. Um, Another thing I love about Jesus is how he, he brought together diversity in community. Like you think about um, how Simon the Zealot was, um, he was like anti-Rome and like whatever he has to do to take down Rome. But then he also had, Matthew, yeah. the tax collector, who worked for the Roman government. And so there was, there was diversity among his followers that he intentionally brought together. Not everyone saw things the same way, and yet he, he taught how we can live in love, mm-hmm. even with that. And um, I guess the other main thing I see in, when I look at Jesus is how he had different levels of intimacy with people. Mm -hmm. And so not all friendships were the same. And he, obviously he had the three that he was most connected to, Peter, James, and John. And and there was a a different level of access Mm -hmm. that those three had to Jesus than even the other disciples. Um, So there were 12 disciples that had very intimate access to Jesus and saw him in all different um, spaces in life. And the, and then you have the broader crowds, you know, the, the ones that were followers of Jesus, just like believers that would follow him around and follow his teachings. You had the bigger crowds that were just trying to understand. You had people that were needing um, something from him, like a healing or miracle. And so Jesus had relationships that, with all different types of people, and they didn't all look the same. And And sometimes I feel... I don't know, maybe guilty that I can't offer all of myself and total access to this large variety of people. But even in Jesus, we see he was intentional about the level of access and intimacy that he shared with with different groups of people. And I, I think there's something definitely we can learn from that as well. Yeah, I think it's it's interesting to look at, like when Jesus was saying, you know, come and see come and follow me, those types of invitations, it was a calling to something more. Mm, And really that's what friendship is. When you step out 
and you start to make a friendship with somebody else, it's a calling to something more, mm -hmm. to have a friendship, to have the possibility of yeah. even a deeper friendship. Mm -hmm. You don't know um, at the onset uh, how deep your friendship with this new person is going to go. Yeah, it, it, There's no way to know, right. but the opportunity exists, the possibility exists mm -hmm. that it could become a really deep, long-lasting friendship that is life-changing for both of you. Right. And so just that simple um, step, those first steps to initiate a friendship, whether it's, you know, asking somebody about their day or just, or asking, or, or maybe it's through a, a common interest or whatever it is, mm -hmm. that first step is a, a call to something more. And I, I, I like that we can pull that from Jesus a little bit too. Yeah. Yeah. He, the, I think what you're saying, like the unknown and is it, is this relationship worth, is it going to be worth my time, yeah. worth the investment? And the reality is we don't always know when mm -hmm. we're starting off and we kind of can put out some feelers and say, you know, I'm, I'm going to invest this much into it and see, like kind of just see what, what, what God's doing there. And maybe, maybe God is going to bond our hearts together. Maybe it's going to provide this incredible new um, richness in my life that I didn't have before, but being, having an openness toward new friendship is, I think it's hard to maintain as you grow older mm. because you kind of get set in your, in your ruts and your routines, especially if you have lived in the same place for a long time and you've known the same group of people for a long time having an openness to newness of relationship can be challenging, but um, just having that maybe curiosity yeah. even about what could be, and maybe God's bringing this person into my life for a season or for a long time. And I want to be open to what he has. Yeah. It, it, we started to talk about this a little bit, but I, I want to hit it a little bit more explicitly. It can be, uh, you know, so easy for kids mm. to make friends. Right. Like, like, I think of my son, you know, who's five and he, he just walks up to people on the playground and asks if he can play with them or whatever, you know, right. he's just very outgoing in that sense of just, I'll go and start playing with anybody. Your son is funny. <laughs> he's, he's very funny. I've, I've seen some stuff that your wife has posted on oh, yeah. social media and he makes me laugh. He's, he's, he's quite a hoot. And, but, uh, so, you know, so that stepping out is, it's, it seems to be a little easier for kids than, than grownups, mm -hmm. than adults. So, right. so why do we think it's like, it's like hard or intimidating for the, you know, to talk about making new friends. Mm. And for a lot of adults, it's like, uh, well, that doesn't sound comfortable. <laughs> yeah, I think you're totally right. And I, I see it in little kids, the young, the younger kids, typically they're, they don't have that reservation, right? They, they, most children, I mean, you have children that are shy, but once once they start that parallel play and that that interaction and engagement, then there there's not all of the insecurities that's holding them back like there are for adults. Mm -hmm. And um, I think that uh, you can see it start to shift the older the children get and into teenage years, and th those insecurities start to come up and what will people think of me or do, what, what are they thinking about me? And are, are they thinking about me at all? And do, um, is this part of my personality pleasing to other people? And, and we start to have this inner talk in our head that, that holds us back from being willing to be vulnerable and authentic 
um, with people. And, uh, you know, we have, I don't know, society kind of gives us this script about the, the type of person that we need to be. And so sometimes we feel like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not enough in that environment, or, or maybe my personality is a little too much. And the older we get, the more complex relationships get. And so for a child, you know, a relationship is very simple. It's at the playground. It's, I just met you, but now we're best friends because we both like to <laughs> kick a soccer ball. And, um, and so it, it's very simple, but, but as you get older and there, there's more things involved in the relationship and there, there's deeper feelings connected to it, then, um, there's a complexity to it that can feel challenging to work through um, or even intimidating to want to try. Mm -hmm. And like what you were saying, like, like we hold back sometimes um, because it's like, I don't know if I, if I want to put myself out there for this new relationship or whatever. Um, So yeah, as adults, I think we have to very intentionally make some choices about um, our priority of friendship and whether or not we're going to, um, to live life isolated or do we value relationships enough that we're willing to take the risk and to, um, to work through the complexity because we know that on the other side of it, there's something worth it. There's a return on the investment that's worth the risk. Yeah. Yeah. And that's the, and that's just kind of the hard fact of it is, is that it is a risk because you might put yourself out there. You might try to initiate friendship Mm -hmm. and invite somebody into something and they may say no. Right. And they, and maybe they don't even give you a reason Mm -hmm. as to why. And, you know, they could end up really hurting you, which has probably happened to most people listening. You know, it's happened to me. Yeah. So there is a risk for sure. It, it, It is a risk, but what we're, seeing in through this conversation and through our look into the lost art of friendship is that it is still worth the risk is Is that the, is that the highs of when the friendship goes really well Mm -hmm. are so much greater than the pain or the hurt that we can feel, which still hurts. It still is pain at that part. That's real. Mm -hmm. But, um, but there's so much more opportunity in the in the gain of the friendship, not just for you, but for in for the other person, and for just for how you relate um, in the world. A friendship is a powerful thing; it right. can be a powerful witness in the world. Right. And so, taking that step and knowing either it may not work or it may lead to hurt, mm-hmm. it, it, it might. Right. Um, but it doesn't mean that it will. Right. It doesn't mean it is. It doesn't mean that is a set. It, like it's going to. It doesn't mean. Well, you know, the friendship is going to fall apart. No, that's not necessary. Right. Uh, it's, it's not um, written in stone that anything right. is anything bad is going to happen because good things do happen. Right, and even when bad things do happen in friendship, even when you have a community of friendship, um, when you go through something like that. And it's it's those people that are going to come back around you, and mm-hmm. so like a like I when whenever you have like a fallout with a friend, normally hopefully that's not your only friend yeah. in the world. Hopefully you have a network of friendship, a network of support, and so these other people that are in your network of support, they're the ones that can come around you and give you perspective mm-hmm. and give you hope and just help you process, give you healing and and just soothe the wound that you're experiencing. And so all of us 
have friendships that go wrong. Even Jesus yeah. had a friendship that went horribly <laughs> wrong. Um, but but that that didn't negate the the significance of the lives that Jesus had chosen to invest in and the lives that, that we have in our network of friendship and community. Yeah. Every friendship has to start somewhere. Yes. So the friendships that you have, they started somewhere. Yes. Maybe it's worth to take a minute and to try to think about how that friendship started. Uh-huh. Where you first met, when you first started to hang out or spend time together. Yeah. And you realize, oh, I guess that did, t- you know. There was an origin point. I, I did ask the person to come over or yeah. that person did invite me to this event or, you know, oh, whatever. Oh, yeah. So, so it, it's just good. It's, it's good to have those reminders. So... Do you think then, Stacy, is it is it better to you know cast a wide friendship net and to just try to initiate with as many people as possible, or is it better? Do you think to be you know maybe more thoughtful or intentional uh, about who you try to make friends with? So, mm-hmm. are you sending out a wide net to you know, to, uh, mm-hmm. to make friends, or are you kind of being a little bit more specific about the spots that you're fishing in? Yeah, that's a. Um you know, that's really interesting for me in particular because being new here and sure. having to like kind of start over yeah. relationally in many ways, not that I'm disconnected from my friends from my previous season, but yeah. um, just starting over with all new relationships here. Um, I've thought about this and mm. how how do I approach friendship in this new season? And I think it's a both and, okay. um, if I could say that, because I think that there's... Um, a lot of new relationships that I'm forming, um, like for example, with our staff here at Saddleback, uh, man, we have such an amazing team here. Uh, it's quite large. Yeah. And, <laughs> <laughs> and so I, I am getting to know so many people. Yeah. Um, and every person that I meet and get to have a conversation with, I, I'm like, oh, I wish I could have another conversation. I wish I could know this person more. I wish that I could be closer to this person. And the reality is that we are all limited in scope of friendship. Some people are uh, limited for various reasons. The personality um, can have a big impact on how much, how many friendships you want in your life, whether you're extroverted or introverted. Um, time and season of life mm-hmm. can really impact um, the number of relationships you have capacity for. Um, and so... One thing I think is helpful is thinking about relationships in kind of like concentric circles. Mm. Um, I did a life planning process recently and we had this sheet called rings of relationship. And if you think of it through concentric circles, there's that inner ring, like what Jesus had with his inner three. And then out that goes out from there. But um, to and, and maybe even defining who is in the different rings of your life, it kind of gives you a bit of uh, maybe peace and not feeling like, oh gosh, I need to have this level of friendship or this level of availability and access to all of these people because you're limited in your scope. You can't do that. But if you can kind of define, okay, these are the people that will have full access to me. They have transparency. They're, I'm, I have accountability to them. We have trust with one another. These are the people that are the very closest to me. My, my, in, my primary family, mm-hmm. maybe just a couple of really close friends that I could give that level of access to. But then if you go out a bit, um, these are people that, maybe in ring two that you're doing life with, they're your friends, their family, 
They, they have easy access to me, but not full access to me. And, and so they can have a conversation to me without having to jump through a bunch of hoops. Mm-hmm. Um, but it, it's not um, just anytime, day or night that I'm available. Maybe, maybe I could have like six to 12 people in that, in that range of friendship. And then there are other people like you could keep going out and out, like um, people that I'm strategically integrating into my life. Um, these these people have filtered access to me, people that maybe I'm working with um, in teams. I'm some type of strategic friendships, people that are ministry partners with me. Um, and then there are people that you you go out further. And depending on the level of how public your life is, there may be people that they don't have direct access to you, but they could be included in like a network of people that you might interact with mm-hmm. people that, you know, could get an appointment with you perhaps, but um, they need to kind of follow a little bit more of a chain of, you know, connect. yeah. there's some protocol. There's there. some protocol there. Yeah. yeah. And so like, I think, just defining who are in these rings of relationships gives me a a lot of ease in knowing, okay, I don't have to plan a birthday party for 30 (laughs) different friends of mine, but there are, there are some people that I am, I'm going to invest in fully because what can happen is like, for me, in more of a public role, I can get totally overwhelmed by the number of people that I'm interacting with. Sure. And then I'm like, oh gosh, I I need to pull back. I can't invest deeply into any of these people because I can't do it for all of these people. Mm-hmm. But that's not true. I what what is true is that I have to define, okay, these this is my very inner core. These mm-hmm. are the people that have full access. And these are the people that have easy access. And I am going to devote most of my time and relational energy into those two groups of people. And it's okay that not everyone in your life gets the same level of access and care yeah. from you. It's it's the way that life is designed. Yeah, I, I think that's helpful for people who might feel stress about, well, like I, I know that this person wants more, this person, you know, it's, mm-hmm. but it's healthy to set those boundaries. It's healthy to set it mm-hmm. um, up for yourself because as you said, you only have so much time. You only can have so many people that you are truly like, investing deep time in because if you spread it out then each person only gets a little bit and that's you know it it limits the level of death that you can go to um in that relationship so just to you know have that ring of of relationship idea i think Mm -hmm. is helpful for people to think through to process through it helps you not to one feel guilty and two, feel paralyzed yeah. because it's like, oh, I can't, I can't, I just can't do that for everybody. And so I just like, I'm not doing it. Um, but, but when you can define, no, these are the people I will do this for. And these are the people I can do this for. Then yeah. just like, okay, there's, there's no guilt in that because God made us with limits. And yeah. Yeah. yeah you just sit back and say, oh, I'm just cursed with popularity. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I have so many friends. I don't know what to do with them all. <laughs> uh, everybody wants a little piece of me. Um, <laughs> so, um, so what would be some good uh, like first steps for people? If if people maybe it's been a while since they have made a new friend, or mm. that they've really thought about what um, or the what or the how 
making new friends. I'm thinking especially too, because we know that we're in this like epidemic of loneliness. Yeah. And um and, and just the rise of screen use and social yeah. media, it really you know, like it, people feel like they can um have relationships from behind a screen, but it is different. Yeah. There is something different and important about the person to person face to face interactions. Right. So what are some steps that people can take to um, you know, maybe step out of their comfort zone and and go and try to yeah. in- initiate some friendships? That's good. <laughs> um you know, I think that there's this this concept of as you are going and mm. like where are you already where are you already um, moving to? Where are there already people that are surrounding you that perhaps you just haven't been quite intentional about? For example, um, Andy and I were talking about this fall and how it, it's quite going. It's going to be quite a busy season with mm-hmm. our our kids are in sports mm-hmm. and you know how do we invest relationally in people? And um, we're going to be sitting in the football stands a lot this fall. Yeah. And Andy was just saying, you know, it would be really easy for the two of us to sit together and to just have like a three hour conversation, just (laughs) the two of us about, you know, whatever we're thinking about. But what if we could intentionally lift up our eyes to see who else is sitting around us? And um, it feels awkward and uncomfortable the first time. You, especially for an introvert like me, Andy yeah. seems to feel much more comfortable doing this, <laughs> but just to, to reach out to someone that's sitting near and say, Hey, can we sit with you? And, you know, let's get to know one another and other parents or people that are in the stands. And, um, but just as we are going to try to be more intentional about not just absorbing ourselves in the phone or not just only talking to people that we already know and are comfortable with, but also lifting up our eyes to see how can we be a connector and how can we be the, the one that takes the first step. Um, I think some things that historically I've done with like my neighbors, for example, in my neighborhood is at different times of the year, maybe um, just doing something nice for them. Like, uh, like, taking flowers in a vase and just knocking on the door and whether or not they answer, I'll leave them for them with a, yeah. with a note from our family, my phone number, um, and would love to connect if you ever need anything, whatever. Um, there, there has to be some level of initiative mm. and it takes time and it takes space. And I think that that's the, that's probably the primary reason why most of us stay isolated yeah. is that we get so busy in our own lifestyle. Um, and then we're flat exhausted when we aren't doing the things that we absolutely have to do. We're like, I don't, I don't want to see people. I don't, (laughs) I just want to go home. I want to watch Netflix. I want to go to sleep, but it does require a level of intentionality to say, I, I value this. Mm -hmm. And so I'm going to reflect that in my calendar. I'm going to prioritize it. And so just, maybe thinking about as you're going, what are the environments you're already in? And then maybe, especially like if you're a part of the Saddleback family and we have so many opportunities for groups Mm -hmm. and that can feel intimidating too, to step into a new group that maybe hasn't already been formed before or that you don't know. But honestly, having a spiritual conversation in a small group 
is truly a, a very bonding experience. And some of my best friendships have formed over those kinds of conversations in an intentional environment, like a small group. So if you're not currently connected into a group, I would say that's a, that's a really important first step. Yeah. I, I love, and I I think it's a great place to wrap up on is, is this, as you're going idea Mm -hmm. is, is you do not have to step out of, of your comfort zone in a way that means like, hey, go and take on a whole new hobby that you've never done before right. to try to Just make pick friends. pick pickleball. Exactly. <laughs> like, I, you know what? I see people down there. I'm going to, you know, like, <laughs> I, like, you can do that, sure, uh, if you want. I've heard pickleball is great. Haven't yeah. tried it yet, but it, it, it looks like fun. Um, but even just looking at the interests that you have mm-hmm. and in seeing, in seeing the people around you who are doing that, if you go for walks, in your neighborhood, maybe you see the same people who tend to walk at the same time. Right. Um, sporting events with kids is another great, you know, idea. And it's just making that choice, as you said before, to, I think you said to open your eyes mm-hmm. to the people around you. Right. And there is so much opportunity that I think goes unseen or unnoticed. Mm-hmm. Um, usually because we're just, you know, creatures of habit who just want to be in our own little shell. Mm-hmm. I'm an introvert too. So a lot of what you're talking about sounded nice, but at the same time, I do know (laughs) that it is important to, you know, to say, no, like I'm going to look and invest in other people too. Mm -hmm. And, and for me, it helps to remember that each and every other person was made in the image of God Mm -hmm. is seen as the pinnacle of God's creation people. And, you know, God loves that person so, so, so very much. Mm-hmm. That person is worth yeah. my time, is worth my attention, is worth, you know, possibly making a friendship with because mm-hmm. they're made in the same image of God that I was. Yeah. They are still as loved as as I am. Mm-hmm. And um, they have a story. They have they have a plan and purpose for their life by God. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, when we think about the interwovenness of that, I think... Mm-hmm really special things can come from that. Yeah. And, but it takes that intentionality to take a step. It takes right. that intentionality to look with your eyes to, you know, and maybe it's having to pray before you go to one of these events or something saying, God, I just want to be by myself. However, right. uh, I'm going to, you know, I, I, if, if you open my eyes and if, if you bring something to me, I, I want to see that person. Yeah. I want to be aware. Help, help me have an open heart and open eyes and uh, help me to find the words, even if that's the case for yeah. you, you know, to say hi right. to somebody else. Totally. You know, I think whenever we, the, our mindset when we come into an environment really shapes the way that we behave. Yeah. And uh, so if I, for example, am on Saddleback's campus, I see myself as a connector. And mm. I like, that's part of who I am. That's part of my role here is like saying hi to people and welcoming people and hugging people and And so it's never um, weird or awkward for me to do that when I'm here. (laughs) But when I go to my kid's high school football game, I don't feel like that's my role. Mm -hmm. And so I'm much more introverted and reserved and I just want to stay to myself. But if I could have a different mindset when I step into these other environments that wherever I am, there are people that are hurting that need to feel loved, that need to feel connected, that currently feel isolated. And and God could use me as an agent of his love wherever I am. If I could walk in with that level of 
like calling and confidence, um, then I would not be so focused on my introverted self and would be willing to lift up my eyes and, and, and be the agent of love in that place and connection. And so I think that a lot of us, you know, we, we go into environments feeling a little bit insecure ourselves and wanting someone else to be the one that takes the initiative. But if we could change our, our perspective and, and see ourselves as the carrier of the love of God and this, this thing that could be such a blessing to other people who are hurting. Um, it, it gives us a courage that we need to take that risk to build a friendship. Yeah. Stacy, thank you for your time. Appreciate it. It's been great. Thanks, Jason. <laughs> In the same public service address by Dr. Murthy that I read at the beginning of this episode, He says, loneliness is far more than just a bad feeling. It harms both individual and societal health. The harmful consequences of a society that lacks social connection can be felt in our schools, workplaces, and our civic organizations, where performance, productivity, and engagement are diminished. Now, this warning from the... U.S. Surgeon General is a powerful reminder of something God said in the very beginning chapters of the human story. Genesis 2.18, it is not good for man to be alone. Somewhere along the way in recent history, we have lost what it means to seek and value friendships. And as you can tell from this conversation we just heard with Stacy Wood, We are setting off on a mission through this series to rediscover the lost art of friendship. In our next episode, we'll look at what it means to invest our time and energy into growing deep, meaningful friendships in a conversation with Saddleback Church men's pastor, Anthony Miller. This has been Rediscovering the Lost Art of Friendship, a Saddleback Church podcast.